KSI presents The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Paragill. Today's episode is on hydrogen. Yes, hydrogen, the most abundant chemical element, making up 75% of the mass of the universe. And here on Earth, vast numbers of hydrogen atoms are contained in water, plants, animals, and of course, us humans. But it's a type of hydrogen, green to be precise, that we are looking at in this episode, and the opportunities and challenges for it to be used as a future fuel. This is Matthew Childs, and you are listening to The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards. Now, experts tend to agree that hydrogen is pretty important. It's going to be an asset for us in the decarbonisation of global energy systems. And in this episode, you'll hear my conversation with one of those experts, Dr. Kerry Ann Adamson. She spoke to me about the opportunities of green hydrogen and how that rather than seeing these opportunities as some sort of utopian vision, it is something that needs very much handling with care. And you'll also hear the energy unintended and enthusiasm with which she talks about her role as a standards maker too because she's chair of a new BSI standards committee for hydrogen and sandwiched in between the two parts of my conversation with Kerry-Anne in this episode we also have a standards desk of news a single item of news in fact about an award-winning young female academic and standards maker now although this is a Matthew without Cindy episode here is Cindy with a quick reminder This is Cindy Paragill with a quick reminder that here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find and follow us on Twitter at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. So, Dr. Kerry Ann Adamson is a hydrogen expert and currently global strategic advisor on hydrogen for Worley, a provider of professional services in the energy, chemicals, and resources sectors. And she's also chair of the recently created BSI Standards Committee on Hydrogen, GSE5. In this first part of our conversation, we talk about how standards will be part of the how to in realizing the opportunities of green hydrogen as an energy source, or as Kerry-Ann prefers to refer to it, an energy ecosystem. But I started with the basics, and by asking Kerry-Ann, what is so special about hydrogen? Fundamentally, the energy ecosystem has to change, right? We're all on board with the tomorrow can't look like yesterday in terms of energy, in terms of the age of the the predominant age of fossil fuels, where we relied on and loved oil, gas, and coal, is over and we're in this transition period towards a future where there is a much more diverse energy mix where we are building energy networks which should be more resilient um, and should be should be uh, better for the planet in terms of greenhouse gases and other emissions of which hydrogen will be a contributor now hydrogen as most people are now aware is not a direct fuel you have to produce it But when you take an ecosystem approach, which is batteries, um, renewables, hydrogen, supercapacitors, so every every opportunity we've got, you can create a system which is resilient. And 
without hydrogen, that system cannot be as good as it could be. We don't need hydrogen, but with hydrogen, everything's a bit better. Hydrogen is the oldest, newest game on the block, right? So hydrogen um, has been around forever, for a very, very long time as an industrial fuel, right? It's not new. It is, but it has always been produced by either from natural gas or steam methane reforming, which you'll tend to hear. We talk in acronyms, so I apologize now, but SMR, steam methane reforming um, of natural gas to hydrogen. It can also produce from coal. There are a whole raft of ways it has traditionally been produced. Now, though, and for the rest of this conversation, when I refer to hydrogen, it will be either low carbon or zero carbon production of hydrogen. We are looking to convert those production streams to producing hydrogen without carbon. If you start with using what we call grey hydrogen, which is hydrogen from natural gas, um, you can technically capture all that CO2 and bury it. So CCS. So that is then referred to as blue hydrogen. So which is so is um, natural gas to hydrogen with the carbon removed. What is getting an awful lot of people excited um, because it's an easier can I guess, sell. Can I guess the colour? Yeah. Can I guess the colour? Go on. Go on. <laughs> you it, got it right. Yeah, it, you'll... We've got, we got grey hydrogen. We've then got blue hydrogen. Let me guess. I think you're going to talk about green hydrogen. Yes, we are. So um, <laughs> green hydrogen, which is an interesting concept because is it really green? Um, is hydrogen produced from an electro electrolyzer, which is a box. Just don't need to know how it works. It's just a box where you put electricity and water in and you get hydrogen and oxygen out. The electricity, if it comes from renewable energy, um, means that it's zero carbon at the point of production. When I say, is it green? That's kind of tongue in cheek, because then if you take a full life cycle approach, um, nothing is zero carbon, right? It's a misnomer. But depending if you take a full life cycle approach to how those wind turbines are produced, the concrete involved in the so there's a whole debate around um, how we count carbon in the hydrogen industry and where are we going to draw boundaries and where are we going to go draw lines. But that is because it is a brand new industry, right? It's very young, it's very fragile, and so we're setting all the ground rules at the minute for how we build this industry of the future. And that's why it's exciting because we're right at the start of this. So when you see all the headlines about the future hydrogen economy, which is a term I actively dislike because it's a it's an ecosystem, not a single fuel. Um, when you see all these 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 massive numbers of hydrogen adoption, always remember that as of today, it's brand new. It is so young as an industry we have to work out how to count it have to charge for it um how to label it if you're a consumer all of this stuff we're working out now as we go along which is it's so exciting to be involved in um but as you can imagine some of the debates get a little bit heated very good. Now, I was just wondering, as you were talking there, you, you're saying that we're at the outset here of a, of, a, of a new industry, new ecosystem, really. I just wonder from a, a public perspective, you know, what is the great opportunity here for green hydrogen as an, e an energy ecosystem? Is that how you would describe it? Mm. What's, what's the opportunity here? So I'm a bit controversial in this, I will be honest, but I see it uh, for the public is that it's going to be 
boring and that's okay. Nobody gets excited when they put petrol and diesel in the car, right? You don't go, oh, guess what? I actually got a litre of diesel. <laughs> you don't, right? You just put petrol. When you get on a bus, you don't get excited because it's got um, an engine from Cummins. When you get on a ferry, it's the same. And hydrogen is going to be that boring thing that powers a bus, powers a, a train, a ferry, a car, and you potentially in your home much longer term much and i mean you know you know a long term away this is the stuff that your kids and your kids kids um they're not going to understand why we're excited about it and that's what's so exciting paradoxically that's what makes it exciting because we're going to along with batteries and renewables and everything else you are going to be able to use this in the same way that we use drop-in fuels today we're going to get on to obviously the work uh, that you're doing on standards here and that's a, 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 as you were talking there thinking well actually standards are one of those those things that sort of operate in the background without people realizing yes. and i just think you said there about we won't we won't sort of it's it's the boring bit but what is the sort of dramatic opportunity then what 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 over the long term if we're introducing this 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 green hydrogen what impact could it be having on people's lives over the long term and the way the way we live oh so I live in the middle of nowhere, right, um, by choice. And often in winter, you know, the grid can go down or you can have a couple of days without power because it's knocked out power lines. We have a potential for hydrogen to create a system that is far more stable. And if we do it right, we have a potential that we can create a honeycomb network of almost like power cells and rural communities where if one community goes down, another community can support. Now, this is quite, in some ways, this is this is big, big thinking that how are we actually going to build these energy systems of the future? But hydrogen can play a part in that. So um, there's uh, friends of ours are, are um, producing hydrogen on a Hebridean island, right? And the the whole thing for them is like the land is owned by the community. So the community has bought into this already and said, right, if we lease the land that that we own, we can get a rent and all of a sudden there's revenue flow back to that community that they they hadn't got from um, the energy sector. So we are creating revenue, new revenue flows. We are potentially gonna create an energy system that is more resilient. We are decreasing energy dependence on certain areas of the world. Now, some people say, but you're increasing it in others. And yes, that's a that's something that we have to look at in the big picture stuff. If you are going to be importing hydrogen, where are you importing it from? And we have to ensure as far as humanly possible that we don't use hydrogen as a way to create kind of green colonialism, which is a horrendous idea of of um, the West going into Africa again and going, well, you know, we want you to produce hydrogen for us and we want you to do it. like, And we've got to use this as an opportunity to really work in partnership with other nations, communities, stakeholders and create. It's not a utopian vision, right? And I don't want anybody listening to this and go, oh, this is just utopian rubbish. This is a potential, a business profit centric greenhouse gas reducing potential that we are facing with hydrogen 
And I suppose it's like any new opportunity, isn't it? It needs to be handled with care. Because as you yes. just said, though, we don't have to repeat, repeat the, the mistakes we made in the past about this being, oh, this is going to solve all of our problems and let's let's implement it in exactly the same way we would have done with, with fossil fuels, for example, and, and exploiting other countries and, and, and other people in, the, in that way. And, and by saying, but it's green, it's okay, right? Mm. We're doing this to save the planet, therefore it's okay. No, 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 no. We, it's all about building a different type of relationship um, and enabling growth, um, economic growth in a way that does not disadvantage communities. So tell me then, tell us about this new committee on hydrogen. You know, why is it being developed and, and why now and, and who's involved in it? Tell us about the new committee. So we've got the big picture. This is something that's going to shape the energy future. But how do we get to there? And how we get to there, it's going to be a long, long journey, right? This isn't like 5, 10, 20 years. This is a, this is a, an intergenerational journey as we transition to this new energy model. Um, but along the way, what we are doing now is building the how-to, right? How are we going to do this? The regulatory frameworks, the trading rules, the definitions and standards absolutely play a part of this because standards can go in and set the framework, set the, some of the base ground rules of how things operate. So um, it was, uh, I, was talk, I was having a talk the other day about greenhouse gas trading and BSI standards kept coming up as a reference point because they were saying that these have set out the how to calculate um, certain greenhouse gas emissions and boundaries of this. And I was like, this is fantastic because this is the kind of stuff that we can be creating with hydrogen standards. So if you look at BSI, we've got these amazing technical committees, fantastic technical committees who are looking at hydrogen from very from every different perspective you can possibly think of. But what we don't have is a committee that pulled it all together that says, right, you're doing this, you're doing this. But if we look at policy, we can identify that we need to do something else as well. And that's what this committee has been set up to do, is to start knitting it all together and saying, OK, these are some of the gaps. If we look at policy, we can identify where where we know in the potentially short to medium term there are areas we need to work on. And then we can work with the technical committees to get those standards up and running. It makes sense to me to have this committee that sits above and actually adds value to all the technical committees by saying, right, what you guys are doing is amazing. We also need to do X, Y and Z. And that's what the GSC 5 committee has been set up to do. Now you talked about journeys there, uh, Carrie Ann, and I want to I want to come back to your to your own standards journey. We ask everybody in the, on the podcast that, but to tell me who's involved, who, who alongside yourself, who else, what sort of organisations will be involved in this committee? Now this is a very new committee. Right? I mean, it was only formed back end of 2022, and we're still forming. So we're still right at the start of this forming journey. So we are pulling together at the minute. Um, we are asking, approaching different consumer groups to see if they want to join then we've got representatives from government and the technical committees um, one of the things I'm really looking forward to in 2023 is actually the first meeting of this committee because we'll actually get to sit in a room together or virtual if people don't want to travel and actually sort of build out the infrastructure of, of how we're going to work this committee it's really exciting it's right at the start of this 
So this is why I hope you can hear them. Ooh, this is because it is exciting, right? This is a new committee. It's a new concept with hydrogen to pull it all together, bringing consumer groups, people who haven't necessarily been involved with standard setting before, like myself, who, um, you know, I got involved because my uh, my committee manager, a guy called Gavin, basically tapped me on the shoulder at a conference and went, I've just heard you speak. That's amazing. Can we have a chat? Right? This is Gavin and, Jones, friend of the podcast, yeah. Gavin Jones. Yes. And it was like, um, it was like, I was like, okay, right. It's, and then we started talking and when he said, that, that what BSI were doing, I was like, I had no idea. I obviously knew BSI standards and ISO standards and CERN standards, but I had no idea of the breadth. And then when he started talking about the committee, I was like, really want to get involved with this, please. Well, I was going to ask you about your standards journey. It sounds to me then like you're at the, um, you know, you just packed your bags, yeah. ready to sort of uh, get on. I'm going to <laughs> say, Get inside that hydrogen fuel cell car, or do we do a train? I don't know. I don't know which form of transport we're going to train. use. Train. How would you I like a train? train? I love a train. <laughs> how would you describe your? You mentioned there that obviously you're aware of standards, but how would you describe your standards journey? You know, how, how and when did it start for you, and where do you think you are now? So I, like you say, I've got the ticket. I've got my backpack. I'm about to get on the train with a lot of other people because I am in the l- deep learning phase, personally. Um, I've been on a few calls and I've been, I've just, you know, when you, you you start a new job, you're scribbling so many notes to yourself to look up and, and I've done some of the training and BSI, I have to say, if anybody comes into the BSI community, they, they, they have an amazing training day, um, including showing you where the BSI standard for how to make a cup of tea is. Which is obviously oh, we love really as you know, important. we loved oh, absolutely. Well, as you know, we love tea and cake is an you know an underlying theme of this entire podcast. So thank you for bringing up tea. Yeah, the fact they've oh, got the way, you know, be, I love the idea as a standard for how to make a cup of tea. Well, I mean, it's well, just, just such gotta, a levelizer, isn't it? It is, and I, I need to ask you the a key question here. And obviously, this could be a bit of a game changer for the rest of this conversation, Carrie Anne. So, are you milking first or second? I am milking second because I also use soya milk because of my um, weird ways. Mm. But and if you put soya milk in first, it can split. If you it put can. boiling water on, so I am milking second. Okay, I'm going to park that, and we'll, I'll let yeah. you carry on with your journey. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 2023 is going to be a really pivotal year for this committee. Um, because we are meeting, we are um, hopefully kicking off a work program which we're going to be devising, um, doing a lot of research. So at the minute, I'm doing a lot of research when I have time as to what stand, what where standards are in terms of taxonomy, creating a taxonomy for them, for hydrogen standards, um, other things like B two B or B two C, because hydrogen is going to be uh, direct for businesses, but also for consumers. We need to be looking at standards that are relevant for businesses, but also for consumers. Um, And I really do think there's a real need for, we're going to need to look at how we label hydrogen. So if you are filling your car, as we alluded to, if you're going to be filling your car with hydrogen, at the minute when you go to a petrol station, you know, you fill with petrol or diesel and it's it's E85 if it's petrol, you know, how are we actually going to be labeling this? Um, It's important. It is important and it has to be understandable to anybody who rents a hydrogen car as well that doesn't necessarily speak English. So all of this um, kind of stuff we're going to be 
talking about this year and saying, right, what is our work program? How do we structure it? How much effort can be put in by the different committees? Who do we need to pull in? So it's it's at the point where where we're actually, you know, when you plan a holiday, we're planning it now. And it's really, it is really exciting. I'm sure if we talked again at this point next year, I might sound a little less hyper about this. But um, at the minute, it's all, it's all exciting. And I can't wait to meet my other fellow BSI standards makers. Now, I'm jumping in here to ask, do you want to join Carrie-Anne and have your say on the development of standards? Well, BSI welcomes applicants from all fields, backgrounds and career stages. Our goal is to have a balance of views around the table. So, if you want to make a difference and shape the world through standards, start your standards making journey now by visiting bsigroup.com forward slash get involved. Now, we'll return to my conversation with Kerry-Anne shortly. But for the first time in a while, let's have the Stammer's Desk of News. And actually, it's just the one item of news this time, celebrating the achievements of a young academic and standards maker, Dr. Gabriela Gutierrez Huta O, lecturer in international management at King's Business School, has been named as a winner in the Financial Times Responsible Business Education Awards. These awards identify the growing number of researchers whose work helps companies and other organisations to do things better. And she has been recognised for her work in forming the standard BS 25700, Organisational Responses to Modern Slavery, a standard we have featured recently here on The Standard Show. Gabriella's research into the construction sector in the wake of the introduction of the UK Modern Slavery Act in 2015 uncovered how different attitudes to the nature and underlying causes of labour exploitation influence the kind of solutions that organisations put forward. And this work led to her appointment to the Technical Committee on Modern Slavery established by BSI. Congratulations to Gabriella on winning the award. And that's the Standards Desk of News. So let's return to my conversation with Kerry Ann. And in this second part, I started by asking her about what the new Hydrogen Committee might do first. I am very much a team player. Um, I don't like, you know, saying we will do this. It is very much a pulling together and ensuring that everybody's on going in the same direction and I think it is based really on where the UK we're talking about BSI so where UK policy dictates are right so if we look at UK uh, the hydrogen strategies that have come out so the UK government have released a, a ream of hydrogen strategies and plans and action plans and they are very much focusing on, like a lot of other places, 2030 is a real tipping point in the industry that we have to have certain things in place by 2030. And so that, I think, will dictate some of the early work. So we will say, OK, if we need to hit this by 2030, what have we got missing now? Bearing in mind, a standard can take two to three years to develop, have consultation and launch. Um, if we start off a standard at the end of 2023, we are looking at 2026, 2027 before it's even launched. 
So we potentially have only two revolutions in this. And so for me, for me, what's what I'm really thinking about is it's about the carbon capture side because um, there's a lot of focus on blue hydrogen and the electrolysis side because there's a lot of focus on green hydrogen. So the UK government have said we're not doing collars, which is one of the kind of hygiene is a very diverse community and some countries are going for the collar wheel and some countries like the uk are going for low carbon hydrogen and you calculate it by on carbon intensity and so we need to have some really robust calculate calculation standards in place and i can certainly see that being an area of work of of the uk government have set out how they want carbon intensity to be calculated and we can take that as a baseline and actually create a very robust standard around that, um, which would be almost potentially a global benchmark, which would be amazing. Bearing in mind that none of my committee you'd know anything about what I've just said, and this is all new, so they may listen to this and go, no. Well, I won't, we won't, I don't, I don't, we won't hold you to it. But what that? you've talked about that UK context and about those some of those those definitions. And have you, as you've already said there, there is a maybe a different route that's being taken with a colour approach or a, or a description approach. Obviously, then you're, you're going to have to work in a European and international context yes. too, because yes. obviously the, these developments are taking place globally. So how is that going to work at the moment? Well, how, will that, how do you foresee that working as the committee starts its, its operations? I think what's really interesting, and this is an industry where um, diversification is, is really is really important because it shows that different countries or different regions have different requirements for hydrogen. So if you, in some areas, it's really focused on hydrogen for energy security. In some it's greenhouse gas reductions. In some it's export potential. So different regions are really focusing on hydrogen for different reasons. And that's not gonna stop. And that's, that's actually fantastic. That is brilliant. And that glorious diversity is something to be celebrated, not conformed to. And what I think what we're going to do with standards um, is create, in an ideal world, before 2030, we will have a, a, a global common standard that allows interoperability of systems. So you recorded a podcast a few months ago, Letter, Letter from America, which is one I reference every time I talk about standards because of the things that we said about the airline industry and how it was finding areas of non-competition that a standards committee or a non-com entity could create benchmarks for. And I was so, and I, I literally pulled over the car at one point and started making notes because this is exactly where we're going, We the route we're going to take with hydrogen is saying, where are the areas that are very specialist for the UK? great they are very specialist standards that apply to the uk um, and then we there's a second tier on this that i can see where we're going okay so where is the areas of non-compete which i think realistically is going to be around how we're selling on an international basis so if you're going to sell uh, green hydrogen or hydrogen from renewable energies from um latin america say a country in latin america to europe how is it measured? How is it monitored? How is it verified? And those kind of standards is something that we can certainly look to 
creating on a global level to have a global buy-in um it's going to take years and this hydrogen diplomacy is a term that we're starting to hear quite a lot or molecule diplomacy of getting um all the different stakeholders around a table to agree on certain basic principles and once we have that we can start converting those into a global standard so you've talked there carrie Ann, about some of the sort of the, the structure and the, the, the polity context in which you're working now at the beginning we we talked about this as being a, a potentially a boring area and it's sort of happening behind the scenes the public not necessarily being aware or needed to be aware necessarily what's going on but clearly when you when you're you're sort of creating change here you know do we need to get some public buy-in for the work that you're doing yes and i and i apologize to anybody who kind of heard that statement and went oh we she doesn't care about stakeholder buy-in because realistically when i said it's going to be boring it's going to be for um the children of today they are not going to know or care about what the fuel is unless they're interested in engineering and science and all the rest of it. But we are at a tipping point generation where we have to bring everybody who is who is of our age, of our generation and above, along on this journey with us. And they can't feel disenfranchised by this or they can't feel like they're being forced to do things um, we live in a democracy, so we ha- and we absolutely should and have to create a sense of buy-in and acceptance from um, from people to go. Yeah, this is a good thing. This is this is something that's adding value to them and not detracting from them. And whether it's um, whether it's my dad, right? You know, he's in his eighties, and he absolutely reads the newspaper every day and will call me every day if there's anything hydrogen in the paper and go so so what is this talk to me about this which using him as a data point of one shows there's a huge thirst for knowledge and understanding about what's going on in the energy markets um there are concerns absolutely there are absolutely concerns about safety about price about cost about um how it's going to happen and we are, I just talked before about molecule diplomacy, and it, this is molecule diplomacy writ large. It's about bringing everybody along with us on this journey. So in a standards committee, we are a, a family of 20 or 30. And then when we talk about other different types of stakeholders, the hydrogen industry is still only a family of, of thousands in the UK. But actually, it is going to impact everybody and making sure that we have the science communicators on board who can then um, who are then able to go and start talking in, in the fantastic way that we do in the UK. Science communication in the UK is incredible and making sure those communicators have the right information and tools to be able to go and tell the stories that they tell and ensuring that we speak a language that is accessible right this is not just we're not talking spanish english klingon we're actually talking about communicating in a way that that anybody can go oh i yeah i understood that and it's not dumbing down it's absolutely not dumbing down it's making communication much more accessible around energy um uh Smart hubs in the home are a really good start because people can see how much energy they're consuming. And it's this whole trend of, of uh, up, it's not upskilling, it's up educating everybody on what we're doing. And it, it, this is one of the things that, again, I think in the UK, we are, we are 
excelling at. So let's play to our strengths. It's lovely to hear your enthusiasm for this work, Carrie. And I just wonder, you know, you're becoming a standards maker and you're at the start of your journey. But is there any particular reason why you also wanted to take on the role of chair of this new committee? Why did you want to do that? D&I, right, diversity and inclusion, or D-E-N-I, um, is super important, right? As in Not just in the company I'm, I actually work for, but in energy, in every work of life, sort of rebalancing the workforce and ensuring that D-E-N-I is embedded in this. If we don't, we risk creating a situation where there are unintended consequences because we only see it from one point of view. I am a strong believer of if I think something is broken, then I have to be part of the solution. If I if I can, you know, if it's something I can do. And this is part of it. When Gavin started telling me about the committee, my first thought was, right, I want to join this. I really want to be part of it. I want to be part of the voice that, that, that actually does this. And then when I was approached and said, actually, um, the forms came through saying the chairperson's role was open. And I thought, my company is supportive of this, that I do this. Um, Why wouldn't I do this? Right. This is something that's important. I can learn a lot. I can bring things to the table. I hope I can help generate consensus. And if what I do in terms of making a noise about this committee existing, um, whether it's through social media or speaking to folks like yourself, that that brings it to the forefront of some people's attention, that's got to be a good thing, right? And it's a, I believe it's a three-year posting. And in three years' time, I'd like to be able to say, I did that. I was part of that change. And so for me, that's important. Our thanks to Kerry Ann for sharing with us her insights on the use of green hydrogen as an energy ecosystem and for her thoughts on the upcoming work on standards for hydrogen through the new committee GSE5. And if I'm honest, thanks to Kerry Ann for all that energy and enthusiasm too as she starts her standards journey proper through chairing that important committee. We should also say a huge thank you to BSI colleague Gavin Jones for all of his help in producing this episode. Now, for more information about standards and hydrogen, then check out the links in the show notes. You have been listening to an episode of The Standard Show with Matthew Childs and Cindy Parakill. Subscribe to us now wherever you get your podcasts. You just heard a stripped media production.